Good morning, K2. My name is Carrie, and I am the student ministry director here at K2. And I am so excited to spend the next little bit with each of you today. So no matter where you're from, uh, whether here in Utah or around the country or around the world, just welcome to our service and welcome to this message. Today, we are actually doing the second part of the message from last week that Dave talked about, about reaching across the table that with people we disagree with, people we struggle with, people we might not see eye to eye with. And this takes it one step further into laying down our life for another. So not just reaching and not just uh, seeing them, but to actually take action for others. And I don't know about the rest of you guys, but these last couple messages on these very practical ways of serving and loving others have given me this little bit of an internal turmoil. I don't know about any of you, but for me, I've been wrestling with some of this on how do I do that and how do you keep boundaries with some people that you need to keep boundaries with but still really love them and love them the way Jesus loved them. And uh, God gave me this little glimpse of how he loves us and how even when we're struggling and wrestling with some of these issues, we got a new puppy. Oh my gosh, she's so cute. Her name is Winnie and she is half Corgi, half Australian Shepherd, but she has the little tiny Corgi legs and her favorite thing to do at eight weeks old, she likes to climb up like on the highest thing she can and jump off. The only problem is her body is not ready to jump off of high things with those little legs. And every time she lands straight on her face and you hear this little every time. And we just all come running and scoop her up and be like, are you okay? We got you. You can't do that anymore. You can't do that. And I just had this glimpse that that's how, how God sees us. We keep making mistakes and we keep landing on our face. And he just scoops us up and says, oh, this is the right way to do it. And I just am, my prayer is that today, every one of us, myself included, as we wrestle through this subject, that we have that idea of God in our head, that he loves us so much. We're never going to be perfect. We're always going to be striving and working to become more and more like Jesus. And he, and only through the gift of Jesus, does any of this goodness come flowing out of us? Only through that gift. And so I'm gonna start with a verse and we're gonna use this verse just over and over that is one of the shortest and one of my favorite in the Bible. And it is 1 John 1.19. And it just says this, we love because he first loved us. Simple as that. We can't even begin to love until we understand that he loved us first. We can't even begin to take those steps into laying down our life for another until we get that. So this morning, even if there are some of you that that's all you need to hear today, because you might be struggling with understanding how loved you are, but you are so loved. Romans 5, starting at verse eight says this, but God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, not after we got better, not after we looked perfect, 
while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've been now justified by his love, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, just think of that, but we're talking about laying down our lives for people, including our enemies, we were God's enemy. For while we were God's enemy, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. That's amazing. And I just, my prayer is that we start there, we get that, we, we feel it in the depths of our heart today, that no matter how many times, like Winnie jumping off the couch, that we land on our face, we're reconciled to God. And our good father scoops us up. And so that's when we're like, how does that look? When we can feel filled up by his love in every part of us and we get it, we understand it. We know, and Dave talked about it last week and I'll talk about it some more today. But as we feel that intense love and that goodness of Christ and we're filled up with that, only then can we start pouring it out. Only then do we even have the idea of how to love somebody who might be our enemy or unlovable. And so with that, we're going to dive into Romans 12. Romans 12 is going to be our passage, and each of our points, we're going to jump back into this passage. So I'm going to read it once all the way through, and then we're going to just refer back to it. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Ouch. <laughs> Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud or be willing to associate with people with low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful what to do to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, I love this part, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now I want to talk just for a quick second to all of you who have uh, felt pain. Um, some of you have, I bet most of us, if not all of us, have had terrible hurt in our life. Some of you the worst kind. And I just wish I could hear each of your stories even today. And um, even right now in the little, in the comments as you're watching, just even ask for prayer. If, if you're still struggling with people who have really hurt you. And I don't mean to gloss over that at all today. And reach out to some of us and 
we can pray with you and get together and hear those stories because um, they're real. And because this is an area I struggle in, I'm not even going to be telling any great stories that I've ever been able to overcome, but a few other people's stories that have impacted me that I hope and dream to live up to the way Jesus has set this perfect example. So we're going to be looking at three ways to lay down your life and love your enemies. The first one is to know them. We can lay down our life by knowing them. Remember, Romans said, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And that does not remove people we don't agree with, them too, or people we don't like, them too, or the ones that hurt us, it'd be them too. Let me ask you a question. Who today are you giving yourself permission not to love? Now, my husband asked that question, and I loved it so much I stole it. But who is, maybe it's a group of people, maybe it's a type of person, but who are you giving yourself permission not to love? If you're daring enough today in your phone or on a piece of paper or maybe just in your heart, write down those people or groups and just put it aside. We'll jump back to it in a little bit, but have that in front of you. I learned in a really fun way an example of how to love people well, people that you are at odds with. Uh, this year has been crazy for everybody, but for us, it started out kind of fun. Uh, those of you who know us know my husband and myself and my daughter all went on The Price is Right, and it aired on January 9th. So 2020 started off great, and in it, my husband gets picked to be a contestant, ends up, spoiler, winning everything. He won his regular game. He won the showcase. It was amazing. And what was really fun is, or weird and fun, but everybody, including Drew Carey, teased him about being a passer the entire time. They would be like, every commercial break, where's the pastor? Every time you'd accidentally say a swear word or something, he would stop and be like, sorry, pastor. It was really funny. And you don't get to see much of that on the actual show because it was all in the commercials. And at the very end, when he is in the showcase showdown, you couldn't see me. The cameras couldn't get me because I was actually kind of behind. The, and so they moved me to contestant row. And it's in that spot that I got the first chance to get to know Verena. And this story is not about us. This story is about her, the woman who changed me that day. And when we sat down, when I first sat down, she leans over to me and she said, oh, I'm a Christian too. She goes, and I have been praying for you guys the entire show. The entire show. Now, let me give you a little background. She was the first contestant called up to contestant row. My husband was the second. But Raina never makes it out of contestant row. And if you go back and watch it, if we find it, we'll put it into the comments later. But she has the most joyful look on her face through the entire show. Like one of peace. Everybody else is kind of fake happy for you. <laughs> because everybody else wants to win. She had true happiness for my husband. And 
I actually looked at her and like, you know you're a contestant too. You are literally at odds with him. And she goes, no, I've been praying for him to win. And then it came time for the, uh, the final showcase. And they showed the one that we won. And it had a trip to South Africa and a car. And she leans over to me and she says, I went on a missions trip to Africa. And I said, my husband and my daughter did too. They went to South Africa and then drove over to Swaziland and then did um, a missions trip. And she goes, have you ever been for fun? And I went, no. And she goes, I'm going to pray twice as hard now. And she did. She prayed nonstop. And I To this day, I will never doubt she's the reason we won. And think about that. What a different way to love your neighbor, love the person you're at odds with. My husband actually bid $1 over her to get on stage. It was like, by any other standpoint, cruel. And her face shines so beautifully and so happy, cheering for him the entire time. And that moment, it changed me. Like that is what Jesus looks like. Jesus looks like somebody who isn't about themselves at all. She immediately made it about him, the entire show. That is knowing somebody. And when she, when she heard the story that he was a pastor and she knew a little bit of what was happening, she just poured her life without us even knowing, just prayed and prayed and prayed. And she changed me that day. And like, I think about her all the time. Like, how can I go into a grocery store different and not think about myself, but think about somebody else? Get to know them, talk to the people, see if they need help at the grocery store or at a gas station or wherever you go. And I mess up with it all the time. <laughs> I'm the puppy landing on my face all the time. And I'm reminded of what Jesus did and her example of loving that. Because we love because he first loved us. We rejoice with those who because he first rejoiced with us. We mourn with those who mourn because he first mourned with us. He is our example. The second thing is to forgive them. Now we're getting a little tougher, right? Ouch. Everybody go, ouch. Forgive them. Romans 12 says, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In Jesus' example, even while hanging on the cross, he led this example by saying, Father, forgive them to the, the people crucifying him, for they don't know what they're doing. This is, this is heavy. This is a big deal. How do you even begin? I get like praying for people, like the story I just told, and I get like helping people, and, but to forgive someone, let alone forgive when he was in the midst of losing his life. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. We love because he first loved us. We forgive because he first forgave us. 
I love this quote by Tim Keller because it helps keep it in perspective. He wrote, the more you rejoice in your own forgiveness, the quicker you will be to forgive in others. I'm gonna say that again. The more you rejoice in your own forgiveness, the quicker you will be to forgive others. Uh, one of the things I'm gonna have you do at the end of the day is do a little gratitude journal this week. It's one of the things I love to do, but write it specifically in, as a prayer. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me for this and this and this. Thank you for your love. Thank you for knowing me and caring for me and walking alongside me. And to write those things down is this quote, that we can become more aware of our own forgiveness. But it's still tough. So one of my favorite stories ever is uh, about a woman named Corey Ten Boom. And Corey is a woman from the Netherlands that during World War II hid Jews and people of the resistance in her home. And during that time ended up getting caught and sent to a concentration camp with about 30 people of her family. Many of them got released. Her dad ends up dying in a concentration camp. And she was left in a all women's concentration camp with her sister, Betsy. And her sister ends up dying in that concentration camp. And after she's released, she goes back home and she opens up a rehabilitation center to bring in people that are physically hurt after the war, that are emotionally hurt, disabled, um, intellectually disabled, that's what I'm trying to get out. Um, she takes and cares for these amazing people. And that's how she poured her life back out. But she takes it one step farther. And this is where it gets like, I don't know how she did this. But she would actually go right after the war back to Germany. And she goes to Germany to preach about God's forgiveness. And she preaches, she goes, nobody needed to hear, nobody needed to hear God's forgiveness more than the people of that war-torn country. And they needed to hear how he forgives their sins and he throws them away to the bottom of the ocean to never be remembered. And then she got pushed to the end of what she expected. And she, I'm gonna read some of her quote that what she wrote and get some of her books they're amazing the hiding place is her most famous but she has others as well and while she was preaching in germany it happened she came face to face with one of the prison guards from the concentration camp she was in i can't even imagine that i can't imagine what i would do if that happened the exact camp that my daughter died in, under his care. And she, she writes that she got done preaching about God's goodness and forgiveness and everybody moves out. And then she wrote, it came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the corner, the shame of walking past this man naked. 
I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment of skin. Betsy, how thin you were. And this memory comes flowing back to her and she freezes. She's not a saint, she's human. She freezes. She said she like, she didn't want to move. She didn't want to talk to him. She didn't want to see him. You would imagine, I wouldn't want to see him. And he walks right up to her, not recognizing her, and said, hey, you mentioned a concentration camp. I used to work in one. And you said that God forgives. And Fraulein, I want to hear it from your lips. Will you forgive me? I would lose my mind right now. I would, if that happened to me, I would probably lose my absolute mind. And she wrote that that's when she didn't know what to do. It felt like an hour. She just sat there frozen. And she said, this is one of my favorite quotes of her. She says, but forgiveness is an act of the will. The will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. How good is that? And she, so she prayed, Jesus, help me. And she said, I can lift my hand. That's all I can do. Because he had his hand out to shake her hand and said, will you forgive me? And she goes, I can do that much, Lord. But I need you to supply the feeling. And she talks about the fact that the people in her rehabilitation that had scars from the concentration camps and from war, that if they were able to forgive, no matter how bad their physical pain and lasting um, physical scars were, they were going to go out and, and they were able to re-enter society. But the people who nursed their bitterness couldn't. They stayed invalids. And it said, it was a, she wrote, it's as simple and as horrible as that. So at that she decided, I got to shake this man's hand and say, I forgive you. And she knew she had to do it, but she didn't want to. And God supplied, and she, she shook his hand. And at that moment, she said she could feel the warmth move up her arm and into her heart. And it was the greatest moment of her feeling Christ's love for her. Think about that. Her act of forgiving him she felt the closest and felt the greatest amount of Christ's love in her. So that story just blows my mind. I don't know if I could ever do that, but I hope to. I'm so thankful for her example. I'm so thankful that this is the life she, she set as an example. But the third one is serve them. So it's know them, mourn with them, rejoice with them. It is forgive them. And the third one is to serve them. And Jesus' example was to lay down his life. And this one, I would say, is the one that is so different than the rest of the gospel. You hear about other people that don't know Jesus, about forgiving people and about getting to know them and reaching across the aisle and all of that. But the idea of going so far that you would serve them is so foreign without understanding Christ. And I, I want to read that part of Romans 12 again. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome 
evil with good. And then Luke 6 says, but you love, but love your enemies. Listen to this. Do good to them. To lend to them without expecting anything in back. Then your reward will be great. And your children, and you will be children of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. The ultimate humility of giving of yourself when you can't get anything back. 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Francis Chan has a great book. If you haven't read it, go out and get it. So now you have two books, Hiding Place and uh, Crazy Love. And in Crazy Love, he has a chapter called People, Profile of the Obsessed. And I love this because it's about how when we have Christ fill us up, we become obsessed with him and his love and everything about our life looks different. And he has this quote that says, people who are obsessed with Jesus give freely and openly without censure. Obsessed people love those who can never love them back. I would, and I would add, people obsessed with Jesus serve those who could never serve them back. But we can't do this without understanding his love for us. We love because he first loved us. We serve because he first served us. We lay down our life only because he first laid down his life for us. It's only then we even have a chance when we fill up to overflow and give back to him and give back to our, the people around us. Because we are truly, truly loved. And I want to just close with Romans 5 again. And hear it one more time. And sit with this one more time. When you take the challenge and take your uh, gratitude journal and write a prayer of thanks to God every day, let's, do, let's try this every day this week as we move into this next sermon message series on peace, you will feel the peace come over you just by doing this act of prayer. And you can take some of it right out of this passage. But God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Verse 8 says you're loved. Verse 9 says you're justified. Verse 10 says you are reconciled and you're saved through his life. That is such good news. That is such good news. And only because of his great love can we even begin to pour out. And only because of his great goodness can we ever begin to give and be good to others. So like I opened today, if that's where you are, that you're not even sure you can feel that love in your heart. I just want to pray right now. And I, during, we're going to go to worship. And I'm going to pray for each of you just to feel his goodness. Just to sit with how amazing he is. And once you get that and understand you are no longer enemies. You are a child of God. 
and that he did that to you through his own death, sending his son to die on the cross. That beautiful gift, an example of laying down his life. Only then can we begin to pour out. And we're just going to worship. And I had you write down some names at the beginning. If you did, great. You can look back at even those and pray for them. That's a great first step to even get to, Lord, open my eyes. How can I serve these people better? How can I know them better? How can I forgive? So we're, let's worship now and, and just let the love of Christ in every pore of your body, in every corner of your heart, so that you can overflow because he loved us first.